0: Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game. By changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and this is episode 51 Mastering Email Marketing, an interview with Josh Kropkoff of the Email Agency. What this episode will do for you is help you learn how to transform your email marketing from a transactional blast to a relationship-building, one-on-one conversation. To discover why putting a personality or even a fictional character behind your emails can make a world of difference in connecting with your audience. To explore the shift from just being an agency To becoming a consultant and coach in marketing, maybe offering a hybrid model of hands-on training and doing for optimal results. To understand the measurable impact that personalized, relationship-focused email marketing can have on your business, including real-life success stories. So, Before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So, you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self training as a high performing thought leader. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com which has extra resources, a different perspective, that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area, as well as links to some free offers. Are you ready to revolutionize Your email marketing strategy. In this episode of Thought Leadership Studio, we're excited to introduce Josh Kropkoff, the CEO of the email agency. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host, Chris McNeil with Thought Leadership Studio, and I'm sitting here with Josh Kropkoff, CEO of the email agency. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me, Chris.
1: Uh, excited to be here.
0: Great to have you here or there, wherever you may be at, since we're talking over Zoom. I'm in Charleston. How about you? So I'm actually
1: traveling right now. Um, I'm in Michigan, uh, on Lake Michigan, Um which is actually good because normally I live in Tampa, St. Pete, but I may have had to cancel this because they're getting a the hurricane down there. Yeah. Good um, move also, to be
0: in Michigan right now. Instead yeah. Of
1: there. <laughs> yeah. I'd be doing all kinds of prep and stuff if I was down there. So, um, but yeah, so I'm in um, just outside of uh, Grand Rapids, if you're familiar with that area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Generally familiar. Nice. Well, the, introduce our listeners to you and to the email agency why don't you give us the short story of how you came about founding that what inspired you and what the vision is all about so uh i'll give you two quick
1: points because because yeah that sort of how we got into it is kind of a a long story uh, but it's interesting so Um, My name is Josh. I'm CEO and and co-founder of the email agency. And I founded this company with my brother back in uh, 2018. So we've been doing this about uh, five years now. We're a small boutique agency. We've got a a pretty small team, nine people. Um, But we have to date worked with 112. uh, We've developed creative uh, email strategies for 112 different companies across 86 uh, different niches. Um, and as the name suggests, we do email marketing mostly, but also SMS, uh, text message marketing, uh, mostly for e-commerce brands uh, that sell physical products online. But we've also worked with some B2B companies and uh, some um, influencers as well. And uh, some of the companies we've worked with are like world worldwide uh, well-known brands like sports, uh, Sportswear, you might have heard of them. They're, if you ever watch the Olympics, uh, their name is up there. You'll see them pop up because they sponsor a lot of uh, gold medal athletes and stuff. Um, But as far as like how we got into this, uh, that is is kind of a long story, but to give you the short version, um, I was exposed to the, I guess, the world of digital marketing um, through actually, when I was in college, um, learning about uh, dating. So I was uh, looking for advice on dating while I was in school and I joined a, a newsletter called Dating Advice Daily which is an email newsletter. Um, It's not actually around anymore, but it it used to be for uh, guys in their most, you know, all ages, but it was definitely targeted at guys in their 20s in college, you know, kind of who were shy or uh, had, you know, trouble with that area. And that was me at the time. Um, And so I didn't know that I was learning marketing at the same time, uh, which is kind of the interesting part. But um, if you fast forward a little bit, I was in, uh, I went to law school. And I uh, was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and that's another thing we can talk about it on the show if you want, but I was kind of buying time because I wasn't really sure how that would come to be. And at the same time, my brother was in college and the two of us wanted to start a business. We wanted to do this since we were kids, we've always sort of been entrepreneurial and we were kind of known as that uh, growing up locally. Um, so we essentially started learning digital marketing because the guy that ran this dating advice daily newsletter started holding these conferences where he was teaching digital marketing. um, And we ended up getting to go to one of these things in Las Vegas. Um, And uh, I guess I know it's already a little long, but the long and short of it is we found a, a gap in the marketplace where a lot of companies that do email marketing, specifically e-commerce brands, were not doing the type of email marketing that we had been learning from sort of this other space, which was a lot more um, what they call direct response. And so when we started the business, our mission was to bring this world of direct response email marketing, which is a lot more personal and a lot more, I guess, focused on building a connection, we wanted to bring that to this more consumer-focused world that that traditionally is all emailing people all about like, you know, sale, sale, buy now,
0: shop now, and there's no real messaging. Um, right. So that's what we've been able to do a few years. Well, that's awesome. You know, it reminds me of what I understand about good email marketing is about building relationships, not about transactions the transactions come but they come because people pay attention to your newsletter because it's about building relationships is that right is that your philosophy yeah
1: i mean essentially i think it's it's uh you know that's kind of what it comes down to Is like email if you think about what is email it's traditionally it's it's a message between friends um that's what it started as is just a way of direct communication between two people so it's not a place for advertising traditionally and so the the reason i love it so much and and i'm pretty passionate about what we do um it's not a one-to-many channel like all the others like whether it be tv or uh social media um, those are one-to-many where you're sort of mass marketing. Email is, is one-to-one. It's a private conversation. And the, I think that the problem we still have today that I'm on a mission to, to fix, although it is getting a lot better now, but I think brands treat email as a one-to-many channel and they don't realize that you can actually use it to forge a much stronger connection with the, the customer. And it's gonna result in way more you know, sales and profits and everything else, but also it's gonna be just way more impactful in that person's life.
0: That's such an immutable principle. And I remember a book that came out while I was a very little kid, if alive at all, when it came out in the 1960s. Ogilvy on Advertising was the Bible long before the internet. And if yes. I remember correctly, one of the points it made was that you think you're writing your ads for the masses, but it always gets read one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So language should reflect that. You're speaking yeah. to the one person at a time who's reading it. Absolutely,
1: that's. I, I love that you bring up Ogilvy because uh, he's one of the the fathers of of direct response advertising, and, um, and it's actually a book that I have uh, not read until I actually just got it. I got a, a copy of that in his his other book. Um, oh, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So i um, starting to read that now, but uh, he's definitely a big inspiration. And um, my brother is um, the creative director in our agency. And so he has read like all of the the classic ads, uh, you know, all, all of the masters and direct response, you know, John Caples and Joe Sugarman and, and different people like that. So um, we definitely take our principles and, and really a lot of our methods come from what those guys were teaching back then about direct response back in the 60s.
0: Sure. But it's so easy to forget, you know, and I, I like what I'm hearing and seeing so far in the sense that this is what this podcast is all about. It's about, you know, thought leadership is leading our customers to a better way of thinking about what we do so they can get more value from it. And you're helping companies that need to market with email like e-commerce or that certainly can benefit from email like B2B and leading them to, revere it as a one-to-one channel of building a relationship one reader at a time as opposed to thinking of it like a blast where you're just yeah, blasting, right, a bu- right. blasting a blasting a okay. sale to a bunch of people then then people wonder why it doesn't work is because people don't want to read emails like that
1: yeah it's funny a lot of people actually they'll use that word and they'll say wait you know an email blast and I we we just don't like that word honestly yeah, I it's agree really kind of- You know, it goes to that idea of like, oh, we're just blasting a sale out, right? And that's, it used to work. I think people got away with that for a while in email marketing. I think things are changing quite a bit nowadays. People are more sophisticated. They're also craving connection more than ever before. And they're inundated with marketing messages now. Um, So if you want to stand out and, and actually be more effective than your competitors, then you shouldn't do the same things that they're all doing. You should, you know, Try something a little bit different that's more beneficial to everybody on both sides.
0: Absolutely. And you're doing that through this reframing for some of what marketing with email or relationship building with email is all about. How do you Mm. do that? How do you change the minds of your prospective customers or your customers to get them to buy into this different vision than they probably had before about what that is.
1: Well, it's an interesting question. Cause I, I think that at this point, a lot of our, our clients that we start working with, they, a lot of times they're coming to us because they know something's wrong with what they're doing. They don't like what, you know, the results that they've been getting that they, they, they feel that email is like an underutilized channel. And for a lot of people it is it's, because if you think about it, having this direct thread of a one-to-one channel is the best opportunity you have um, in marketing. And this isn't just e-commerce, by the way, this is everybody. Um, and I think that we're, we are we can, that's a, maybe a different conversation, but I do think we're heading towards a world where more and more people are gonna have their own email list and, and actually use it um, and, and can actually create freedom for themselves that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to businesses specifically, um, A lot of times, they we've actually had our our clients call us Bar Rescue. Have you ever seen the show Bar Rescue? I have not. What's that about? Okay. Uh, John Taffer, it's a bit of an older show now, but it's still around. It's like he goes to these different bars that are struggling, um, where you know they just have poor management or they're not sanitary, there's like terrible things going on, and he goes in and he basically it's like a boot camp for them, and in like three days, he turns their whole business around, right? Um, it's a cool show. Definitely definitely watch it. Very entertaining. But um, people have referred to us lately as that just because sometimes when we come into a, a business, we start working with a new client. We quickly discover that like, it's not like we can just do your email marketing, right? And and we'll get results. But a lot of times there's other things that are broken in sort of the whole marketing picture in the business. And so we end up consulting our clients on on how to fix some really fundamental things, Um, you know, things as, as fundamental as knowing who your customer is and knowing sort of their awareness level of like where they're at when they visit your website and when they start to inquire about your services or your, you know, they start to look at your products. Um, what's going through their head, right? Like, what are what are the pain points? Uh, what what's the problem that they're trying to solve? Have they looked at your competitors? Have they been, you know, dealing with this for a while, trying to find solutions, um, or is it more early on where they're just becoming aware that this is even a problem that they need to solve to begin with? Um, so that's like one example. A lot of times, what'll happen is these are things when we do email marketing. Again, we're not, a lot of agencies will just come in and do like, you know, uh, imagery with, um, you know, check out our latest styles, shirt, hat, shoes, shop now, shop now, shop now. That's not us, right? So mm-hmm. we're coming in and we're, we're doing a lot of uh, research in the beginning to find out where the potential customer is at in their journey. Um, and and what will happen is it'll uncover some things, and the owner of the business or the, the marketing director, whoever we're speaking with, will say like, this is this is an invaluable information. Like I'm going to start changing things and they will literally be taking stuff that we found through the email research. And then suddenly they're changing different aspects of their website. They're changing things on social media, um, because, again, a lot of this core fundamental messaging gets uncovered because at the end of the day, that's that's really what you want to be um positioning in your emails it, it is a conversation um so i don't know if that really answered your question but, oh, it um, gives me I, I will say i think that the...
0: go ahead oh i was just gonna say it gives me a few threads to work with but carry on if you're on flow. okay
1: well the i think one thing that's important is this is that a lot of brands i call it they sort of hide behind the logo to where they haven't thought of this before for whatever reason. It's not their fault. And this is just kind of how you know people have done things for a while, I think, in internet uh, marketing and, um, and just advertising in general. There's a much more general brand advertising aspect of things, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. And I think that's still um, very valuable. But with email specifically, the the big difference is putting a person behind it. Uh, creating a character. If you, if you don't want to put yourself out there as the business owner, or, you know, say it's a large company and it's like, you know, you're, you're running the marketing department. Who's the person, right? It's not the person. So that the emails are always just coming from the brand, right? I mean, you can think of any large brand target or, or Kohl's, you know, how do they do things, right? They, it just comes from the brand and it's sort of this anonymous voice, right? That that's the logo talking or whatever. So, a big difference with us is, is we really encourage companies to have a personality behind the email. Um, and if you if there isn't a, a real person in the company, you can actually make up a character. Um, I'll give you like a quick but great example of this. We worked with a brand that's a pretty large brand in the, the home decorating space. They're like one of the top apps in the world for home decorating um mixed tiles is the name if you've ever heard of them um, and when we first started working with them this was years ago this was like early 2020 they didn't have a lot going on in terms of email marketing it was it was something that as a company they hadn't really focused on yet but they had sort of the typical emails going and we suggested this to them about putting a, a person in front of it and they were very hesitant at first to do this so we said let us do this can we run a test we're going to create some emails coming from a person and we're going to test them directly against the ones that you guys are currently running. They said, all right, let's do that. So what we did is we created this composite of all, they had all these great stories people had sent in, They like testimonials, people who had used their product and had great stories based off of it. Um, and so what we did is we took all these stories and we created this character. We called her Colleen. And she was basically the super fan of the brand. And so it was like, she uses them all the time. She's constantly on the app. She's constantly getting these, it's like framed pictures that you put on your wall. So she's got them all over her house. Her relatives use them, her friends, and she's got all all these cool stories. So we wrote out this welcome sequence and it was actually plain text emails. Um, and, And again, we wanted to make this a really sort of extreme test just to prove the point. So we made... A few of these plain text emails coming from Kaleem, they put them up directly against the ones they were already running, uh, and they did it for 100 days. And at the end of the 100 days, the emails we wrote were making 82% higher revenue than the ones that they were running. Uh, and every other stat was higher, open rates, click rates. Uh, ours were getting responses, and and, and that's part of the, the thing with direct response, right, is you want to get replies. Um, So that's just an example of it. But I I think that that is probably
0: one of the big fundamental differences in what we do. Well, I think that's excellent. And, you know, it's what it brings up to me, one thing is it's such a different dynamic when you're doing marketing in today's age, especially when you're working with a B2B type customer to have a consultant or coaching relationship as opposed to just an agency relationship. Because if it's just an agency relationship, that can be a problem in marketing because then the the leaders or the CMO want you to work within their mental model of how things work. Just a Mm -hmm. delegation. Mm -hmm. When you come in as a consultant and you're able to add more value by opening their frame, opening their mindset to some different belief systems about how things are done, the 82% difference, I mean, that's that's strong. So doing the same exact thing they are doing before, if, say, if that was their only channel, they'd be making 82% more gross revenue as a result of switching from campaign A to campaign B in this hypothetical situation where that's all they're doing. Right. And that, that wouldn't have yeah, helped it's, out if you did it the way they thought you should do it to start with, would it?
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's interesting you bring up the consulting aspect of things because uh, this is actually. I would say the biggest change we've had this year in 2023 in our business is we're doing way more consulting. So we used to do, um, you know, the first few years, it was just entirely done for you, email marketing and SMS marketing, you know, hand it over to us, let us take care of it. And that works for some brands. um, But what we've discovered over time, is it it actually isn't the best solution for a lot of people. Um, A lot of brands have teams in place already um, that are doing the email marketing or that are just sort of marketing generalists working on, on email as one of many things. Um, So we actually started last year in 22 beginning of that year, we started offering training for teams and we started doing um, just much more training for, for people who are in-house working companies. We still do that, but what we did this year, which I actually like a lot better is we've figured out how to do this hybrid model where we do some email marketing for them, but we're also consulting them at the same time. And they're doing some of it. Usually it's multiple people on a team. Um, And so it's kind of this middle of the road approach. We started offering it for the first time this year. It's hard in, in our, not hard, but it's, for us, we have to really limit how many we can do that for because it's so hands-on for myself and my brother specifically, and we're the founders of the company. But for these um, brands, these are the ones we're most involved in ourselves because of the consulting aspect of it. Um, but it's it's been working really well, uh, really interesting. There's a a brand in the UK that we work with um, that we've, we just started in January for them. We just met with them the other day, and they're... Uh, their numbers are insane. It's a men's health company, but the, the difference from when we started to now is I I don't, I didn't run the exact numbers yet, but they showed me this and my mind was blown. I didn't even know we were having that big of an impact, but they have changed so many different things in their marketing since they started working with us that they were just so excited to show us some of the, the numbers that have been coming out. And, uh, but it's really cool. I, I, so I think that the, What you're saying is absolutely true. You can't get the same result necessarily just from handing an aspect of your business over to someone. It is, if you can do something where you work one-on-one with them, or even if there's just a a learning aspect to it, that is a lot better. Um, And I, and I think maybe one of the challenges in our industry is figuring out how to do this at scale. Um, You know, a lot of companies doing this, uh, how how does that work? How can we get more people doing it? Um, because I do think the impact is immeasurable.
0: Yeah, that's a challenge. I mean, some seem to do it by having a DIY course and then making their own hourly fee really high. So yeah, like you can hire me mm-hmm. for five grand an hour or you can pay for this course for only this much. Right. Is a hypothetical yeah. example doesn't work in every case because sometimes it's, when you're dealing with changing people's belief systems, it's hard to put that in the course because you've got to respectfully challenge their thinking in a way they can accept. Mm-hmm. And here you do that with tests, for one thing. Lisa, yeah. let's not, And that's a good way to do it because then you're not saying, oh, we know more than you about this. It's like, well, hey, let's discover this together. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do a study yeah. where we withhold our judgment and, see, and of course you already know it's going to perform, but that way they can find out for themselves. Uh so what do you sure. think about, and, and this is one reason I like this type of relationship building email marketing in a world where social media is so big and social media is great in a lot of ways, of course, but then the control of that channel is in somebody else's hands and they can change the game rules overnight. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the same control you do with an email list. Was that part of the driver for getting into this aspect of marketing or is that a consideration at all for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely the, the way that you want to think about it is like
1: if you're marketing online and, and it, it may be what I'm about to say is it's different. If it's like a a business, that's a physical, like in-person business, uh, sometimes a little bit different, but if you have a company where a, at least a a big aspect of your sales and your, your, your whole business is online. Um, Then you want to think about the different types of traffic that you're getting to your website. So there's really three types of traffic. Um, And the first is we call traffic you control. And what that is, is paid, anything paid, paid media. So when you're buying a customer, um, you know, you're paying for Facebook ads or, Uh, Google, PPC, or any of the paid methods, we call that traffic you control because you put a certain amount into that to get a certain amount back and you're able to control that flow. Uh, The second type we call traffic that you don't control and that's going to be your organic. So that's anything social media organic or um, influencers to a certain degree, blogging uh, and so on and so forth. And then the third type of traffic is the traffic you own. And the only traffic that you own is your lists. So that can be email, it can be your text message, and then physical mail if you do that, if you do actual direct mail. But that's the traffic that you own. And, and what I mean by that is no other, it's not dependent on another channel, right? And that's kind of like what you were just saying. So like social media, you you don't own that traffic. The, the platform can shut you down and, and they do. It happens and I had one of our clients who's a big influencer um, he's a best-selling author. He's got like three million followers on Instagram. Um, he uh, uh, now, it might be two years ago. It's hard to remember the timeline, but uh, at least a year ago, he had his Instagram account completely shut down, um, and it uh, bad things happened. It kind of broke his business for a good while, you know. And it, it was unfortunate to see, but the email list though was what saved him, and he had an email list going back many years. Uh, So he recovered from it and eventually they just handed his Instagram back to him and said, Oh, sorry, that was a mistake, which is crazy. Right. But in the meantime, um, his email list, like people need to understand that is your property as a business. That is an asset of your business. Um, and so the, your job is is really to build the value of that asset. Uh, and a lot of e-commerce businesses that are a little bit, um, earlier stage they they don't even really this isn't kind of in their awareness space but if you have a a business that you plan on selling at a certain point that email list can factor into the valuation of your company oh yeah Uh, but to get there you have to really build that asset you have to email the list you have to um, have regular offers going to that and you have to learn over time what the value of those subscribers are Um, there's a you can eventually uh, get to a point where you know the dollar value of every person on that list or like the average dollar value for each subscriber. You know when someone joins that list, how much they're going to be worth. And so that allows you to play that traffic game really well because you know if I pay X to acquire a customer, then I know through my email list I'm gonna they're going to be worth this much to me. So uh, yeah, really, really important to sort of Think of the trafficking that way. Like you're, you're, everyone that you get from the that those other traffic sources, the ones you control, the ones you don't control, your goal is to turn them into traffic that you own and then increase their
0: value over time. And a couple pieces of the landscape of email marketing that I'm thinking could be relevant to the listener who could be a marketer or influencer, consultant, coach, Mm-hmm. entrepreneur, business owner, founder, you know, this is relevant to all of them. creating the list, building the list. Um, do, what do, how do you see that typically happening? Do you promote creating? And this is especially relevant to those in thought leadership, like white paper type eBooks that are given away in exchange for subscribing or other methods of building a list through creating value?
1: So I can share sort of my experience because I'm doing this uh, for my, I'd say myself, but my business. Um, so when it comes to the the email list and growing it, the the most important thing to have down first is the emails you're gonna send, the newsletters that you're that you're gonna put out. You can call them newsletters or not, but they have to be valuable. Um, and and a lot of people I think they worry first about growing the list. Cause they're like, I have a really small list or I don't have a list and I need to get one. And that's true. And you should grow your list. And I'll tell you uh, what I think about that in a second, but it's really important first that, you know, it's, it's not going to help if you grow the list and then you don't email it and, or you don't email it consistently enough, or you're not sending things that are going to keep people engaged. Um, so getting, I tell everyone, even like the smallest business owners, like get in the habit of writing an email. Um, I say every day, and that's a hard thing. I, I struggle to do that still. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple times a week, writing an email to the list and developing your own sort of voice through email, developing, um, your personality and the, the way that the best analogy is to think of a radio, a radio show. So Anyone who has listened to, you know, at some point, everyone's listened to radio. You have a relationship with the radio host. There's always a, you know, that one show that you'll listen to kind of regularly. You develop this sort of relationship with the host where you tune in at that certain time, you know, you're going to hear from them and you're just like comforting to hear their voice. Right. And what's cool is email works the same way. They're not necessarily going to read every single email but they know that you're going to be there. You're going to be sending them stuff. And when they can read, they're going to read and it's going to be from you. And so they develop this connection with you. Um, So that's a good way to think about it. In terms of growing the list, um, you can, I think at the start, I think people get hung up on the whole like lead magnet thing. To start, it's really good to just have a strong list that offers valuable information. Just communicate that to people in exchange for them signing up. Um, and I, I see a lot more uh, even like influencers in the e-commerce space are doing this now where on their LinkedIn profile, the call to action at the top is sign up for my newsletter where I'm where I give weekly insights on, you know it can be anything right in, in our industry, a lot of times it's stuff about like uh, supply chain issues and you know how to deal with the, the economy right now, things like that, right. Um, but I think you'd be surprised just how many people, want to read email newsletters right now um if it's something that they find valuable that they're interested in they will sign up for that um definitely lead magnets are helpful and that's if you have both the time and the money to invest in a good lead magnet then you should um we have one called the email profits cheat sheet But we didn't really. We had an early version of it in 2020. Didn't really do much with it. Uh, It really wasn't until early this year that we developed it into a very strong lead magnet that, and we actually drive some traffic to it and we get signups. Um, And it it definitely helps. It's just it's a like a guide that lays out sort of a a blueprint for uh, e-commerce email marketing and a lot of we find a lot of marketers. They'll sign up for it and then, you know, they'll use it um, as well as just e-commerce, smaller e-commerce companies that are interested in doing it themselves. Um, and we've also had other things we've had like uh, videos that we've done um, that people can sign up for. We have like our, our I just mentioned the the thing uh, with mixed tiles. We have a case study video about them. So we uh, we lead people to that and get them on the list that way. So There's a lot of different things you can do, but at the core of it is just having a really strong, valuable newsletter. And you might think to yourself, like, I don't know how to do that. And I can tell you from experience, you just have to start doing it and let it happen naturally over time. My emails are not anything like crazy. I just, I find things that are going on in my real life with the agency and with our clients and with ourselves and I write about them just honestly to the list and I get feedback. Um, and that's really how it's, how it is. And, and, you know, sometimes we run promotions, sometimes we do things with affiliates. Um, but the, the core of it
0: is just getting in the habit of being consistent with the newsletter. So being consistent, being open with sharing knowledge, mm-hmm. realize that most of us, I mean, I think anybody's listening to this podcast is probably in a position where they have proprietary knowledge that would be helpful to an audience. That's what they're absolutely. That's what they're sharing. And we should revere that and just take care to package it well, but get it out there to people. And I wonder if a lot of people subscribe to these types of informational or empowerment type email lists or newsletters to just set up an autopilot on a subject you want to learn about. So I know this will be coming to my inbox. I want to grow in this area. I know I'll get sidetracked by a hundred things. So I'm going to set up this newsletter to come back and remind me to keep building out my knowledge and my skills in this area. Yeah. And, and on that point, I'll give a, a small
1: tip. Like you wouldn't believe sometimes what the things are, that really resonate with your audience. Um, you'll, you'll learn quickly if you're kind of starting an email list. And there's probably a lot of people listening right now who, who know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you will sometimes have a whole idea for, uh, you know, something you want to teach and you'll send it and it gets very little response. Whereas sometimes you'll have sort of just a throwaway idea that you're not thinking about that much. And you just write a, a, you know, a piece about it. And this goes to content on social media and stuff too. And then it gets this crazy reaction and you're like, how did that get such a great reaction? You know, why do people care so much? I didn't even realize, but that's the thing. You do have to, to an extent, let them tell you uh, what they're into. But I think for the newsletter, for, for emails specifically, because again, it's this one-on-one channel it's more important to be entertaining than it is to be informational. Sure. Um, so the best way to do that is stories. And this is another thing, the most mundane stories to you, very simple things uh, that happen sometimes when you tell that to your, to your email list uh, you'll get great responses and, and reactions because people can relate to stories of things that are happening in the day to day uh, especially if, you know, if they're in your industry, they're in your niche, they're gonna relate to these stories. So even things that don't seem super significant to you, but you'll know it when it happens during the day, like, oh, I can write that to my email list. Um, and the other big thing is connections, I call it. So stories and connections. Connections are like likes and don't likes. We we connect with things we like and that we don't like. So I can write an, an email to my list talking about how you know I don't like when people... Put giant shop now buttons every you know everywhere in their email where I'm scrolling. It's shop now, shop <laughs> now. Sure. I can just write a little email talking about how I hate that and how it doesn't work and nobody likes that. Uh, and my list will resonate with that, right? Even even e-commerce marketers who who are used to doing that will be like, you know what? I know. I, I'm gonna stop doing that, <laughs> right? So that's just a, a weak example I thought of on the spot. But y- you get the point, though.
0: Yeah, and I love the idea of an engaged audience because what better way to actually get feedback and to do what we were talking about earlier is step over to the customer point of view, and create stuff that's going to be helpful, empowering, entertaining, like you said, get them drawn in with stories, something to look forward to. Uh, yeah, something, something- stories
1: and connections, anything that you can talk about that is a, a like or a dislike, those are the things that
0: people really connect with. So, taking the listener advocate point of view again, as best I can, mm-hmm. what would be a list of things that you'd recommend for the typical listener, thought leadership studio, the marketer, entrepreneur, business person, somebody involved with getting a message across mm-hmm. that are typically missed that they should take into account if they do a survey or a checklist of where am I at versus where I should be in this type of communication? Okay. So you, th- you, you mean like um
1: things that are missed as far as like in the messaging itself, like when they're
0: if you if you had to give a self inventory checklist to check out your email marketing with five or six items on it to someone, what would, and you don't know who they are, but you could be listening to this podcast what would be on that list.
1: Okay. So definitely um, having a character is the big one for me, like making sure that your emails do come from a person. And, and if that's you and you're able to, to write to, you know, directly, then that's the best way to do it for sure. Um, and then other than the things I just mentioned, the story, stories and connections, um, in terms of like selling stuff, in terms of marketing, uh, it's really, really important to think in terms of pains, uh, meaning what are the things that, that they're struggling with um, so these things take research. So pain points, um, benefits are a big one. So what what are the benefits of your product, your service, um, and how does that help them solve their problem, their pain? Um, and then desires like what are the core desires that they have deep down? That like what's what's it going to do for them if if they actually use your product to solve that problem? What's what's behind it? So like. M- My uh, mentor in copywriting, a guy by the name of Mike Becker, uh, he taught me that you always want to think in terms of the pain behind the pain and the benefit behind the benefit. So not just the surface level stuff that people are saying out loud, but what's behind it. What's what are they not saying? Um, So I, I think that's really cool to think about, and that's a little different with me. I think in email marketing, if you were to ask a different email agency owner that you probably get a very different answer because my mentors were not coders. Uh, you know, they weren't like tech guys. They weren't like, um, you know, into design or HTML or any of that. My mentors were all direct response copywriters. So for me, it's, it's always about the messaging. Um, so that's where I'll get those things from. And then, you you know, you, you think in terms of your, your USP, um, what what makes you unique what makes your solution unique uh how is it different than, than all your competitors and everybody else in the space out there and then also your unique mechanism which is a little bit trickier but it's kind of like what i always get these two mixed up and uh, that's why my brother is the creative director not me but it's uh unique usp is more like what makes your brand or your products unique from everyone else on the market and then unique right. mechanism is like what is the the thing that makes it work, sort of the secret sauce that that makes it work that maybe nobody's really thinking of. Um, so those are really sort of like copy, you know, copywriting stuff, you know, uh, heavy concepts, right? But if you can figure that stuff out, um, that will form the messaging platform. We call it a, a key message copy platform. And you can then take that it's sort of in your head when you're writing emails because these are the things that are going to come across. When you're doing that kind of research, you're figuring that stuff out. You're, you're never going to sit down in an email and say all of that stuff word for word, but it's, you're going to use it to formulate the the message, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, we call these internal documents like position papers. Yeah, exactly. In strategic thought yep. leadership, our, our um, extrapolation of the USP, we'd call a thought leadership position, which would be how the customer would think differently to get the most benefit out of what we're offering. Right. Like see the email as relationship building instead of, instead of transactions and you will mm-hmm. increase your engagement in some cases by 82%. <laughs> yes, exactly. Be an example of a thought leadership position. And so what about a couple of concerns? I'm just trying to again be the listener advocate. And you might think, well, we tried that and hardly anybody opened them. Deliverability is an issue with emails. I know. Yes. How do you address deliverability there? Um, so it's that's a hard one. Uh,
1: because it's it's one of those things that actually a lot of people um, don't think about. They don't realize sort of you know what's what's going on there. When I say it's a hard one, I mean a lot of times we'll start working with a new company and we want to dive in and start getting results immediately. And when we do, we, we sort of find out that there are some underlying deliverability problems that we have to solve before we can do anything. Um, And it doesn't always come out in our, so a lot of times we'll do an audit. Usually we do an audit of their program before we start working with them. Um, But, it may uncover that there could be a problem with deliverability, but we're not going deep enough to figure out because in order to do that, you really have to have all kinds of backend access that we're not getting until we're working together. Excuse me. So a lot of times we will go in and, and find out that they are having issues where their emails are going to spam. Uh, and then you have to sort of work on getting out of there before you can really start executing the way you want to. Um, now, if you are a business who is sending relevant, good emails that uh, people are, they've given permission and, and that should always be a thing. I mean, cold email is a different subject and, and I'm not against it. In fact, we do it for uh, several of our brands that do some wholesale stuff. We we have like cold email programs in place, um, but it's, it's a lot more consideration there on deliverability, but it's a, a different beast. Okay, but for your personal email list or your business email list, uh, it still starts with making your emails as valuable as possible because the better responses you get, um, the more likely you're going to have good deliverability. And what I mean by that is you want people opening, clicking and replying if possible to your emails, right? Give give them reasons to respond because those replies help your deliverability. Um, So there is... A whole science behind how the the different um, you know email service providers and how the different email clients like that's what they're called Gmail, mm-hmm. iCloud, Apple you know all those different how they interact and how they you have like a reputation with them. Um, so without getting into all that, if you do have a deliverability problem, it is absolutely necessary to go to an expert who can fix that problem and just do it because you're not going to you're not going to be able in most cases to solve it on your own Um, or if you want to invest the time just be prepared to spend a lot of time on it Um, but you know if you have a problem if you for most people though listening you will be fine as long as you don't get into a bad habit of sort of spamming your list. You know, sending them constant discounts, constant, you know, products, advertisements, um, constant just coded HTML emails where all it is is an advertisement. If you do that a lot over time, yes, your reputation is going to take a hit with the, the different um, ISPs and, and then you are going to have bad deliverability your your, your emails are going to go to spam um, and then you will need someone to help fix that problem but you can prevent it by just writing, you know, useful, valuable messages in your emails that get good responses. Um, So that's sort of my, my answer, but I I know like, there is a lot more to it than that. I don't mean to oversimplify it.
0: um, But But the core of it is make it it for reading and opening. So then you'll get the organic positive response that helps your reputation if if you, your reputation is bad from previous bad practices, then you will need to bring in a technical expert an email to help sort that out, probably. My right, opinion. and right. and by the way, I don't. Sorry, what? Uh, I, I just confirming my understanding that correct.
1: Yes, yes, and and I just want to um, emphasize that I like we, my agency, we work with experts in this field. Um, so even with us, if, if we have an account, you know, a client comes in, they have like serious deliverability problems. Um, we go to the experts for it. So if anyone is out there listening and you need help with this, um, feel free to just reach out and I will gladly connect you with, with someone. Um, and they're, um, they're not like, you know, they're not like super cheap but they're not like super expensive either like it's it's pretty affordable for any business to to sure. do the work that you need to get this done. Well, it's so less um, expensive
0: than throwing away a lot of potential sales by not being able to communicate with your list effectively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just in general for
1: people listening who aren't facing that problem, just being aware of it is the key just knowing that there is a thing called deliverability and it matters and just being aware that you're not going to spam your list so that because you don't want that to happen, you will be better than 90% of people. Like the the problems are when people don't care and they just, they don't worry
0: about it at all. And then, then they run into issues. Yeah. I've seen that. And have you seen a trend in the need to tell your whole story within the body of an email versus just get the story initiated and then ask people to jump to a web page via a link to finish it. Are people needing more of the information delivered in the body of the email or are we still dependent on links or how do you see that dynamic? Um, it, well, it
1: depends on what it is for sure. Um, because you, here's what you have to keep in mind. Um, every person who's reading your email is in a different situation. So, some of them are going to take the time to read your entire email, even if it's really long. Um, And you don't want to forget about those people. So there is a trend out there and people might even have been thinking this during this interview too, because I'm talking about a lot of these things that you should put in your email. So Chris, that's a great point to bring up. Um, There's a sort of a trend that I see where people, uh, it's actually called people don't read right that's the trend there's there was i saw an ad for a an email this is because on linkedin i'm in all the email marketing communities and stuff so i see these things saw an ad for a, a conference an online conference the title of it was literally people don't read it's about like email marketing so uh the the thing is people do read um you definitely want to cater to everyone. So usually when I'm linking to anything in an email, I will tend to put a link at the top of the email somewhere in the first you know, uh, section of the email. Uh, and then I will continue the email and then there will be another link down there somewhere. Other times though, You know, if it's not an email where I'm trying to push anything too hard, I I might write a whole email and then just put a link in the PS. And that actually works really well. And the people who get to that link are more engaged, right? Um, Always have a PS in your emails. Uh, You'll you'll actually find that you get better responses. Sometimes people open emails and they will just kind of skim through the whole thing and go to the very end. And if they see a PS, that's what they read. Uh, So it's a great place to put a link or put like really good information that you want them to know, or even just a little recap of what you said in the the whole email in case they didn't read the whole thing. Um, But my point is everyone, you know, people do have very busy lives. A lot of times you open an email, you're in the middle of something else. um, But if it's good enough, you might come back to it. Other people, though, are really interested in what you have to say and they're going to read the whole thing. So don't forget about those people. I don't worry so much about the length of an email as I do like what's in there, right? Is it valuable or are you just giving them fluff? Um, If it's
0: valuable though, don't feel like you have to make it shorter. makes a lot of sense. This has been very helpful. I think it's extremely relevant. Is anybody wanting to have influence via the internet? should probably have an email list. Yeah, you're yeah. building an audience, Absolutely, whether for your business, to yourself, for your client businesses, it's it's the way to have that kind of relationship that's not at risk of a social channel shutting down. That's create owned earned traffic that you're in control of. So to wrap it up, what would be the top three things that you'd recommend the listener do that they can do right away to get more out of their email marketing first and second, how, can the listener get a hold of you or find out more about your company, the email agency? Sure. Um, okay, so to to get the most
1: out of your email marketing um, and and trying to think how to make this as applicable for like everyone listening. So number one thing I would do is join more email newsletters about things that you enjoy reading about. Um, so I mentioned one of my, one of mine that I got started with was dating, um, and I'm still on different, uh, newsletters in that niche. I'm also on some, uh, like men's health newsletters and, um, fitness, things like that. Uh, and, and for me, I have weird ones. I'm into like paranormal investigating. So I'm on some of those. newsletters. Uh, So things like that, that aren't like super marketing focused. Mm -hmm. find newsletters you can join that's number one and read them (laughs) okay because you're going to pick up so many different things second to that is if you don't listen i know a lot of people listen to podcasts and podcasts are an awesome awesome uh format i love them listen to some radio some classic fm or am um not necessarily music but like talk shows uh and the reason is because The way that they'll do it in those shows because it's not pre-recorded, it's live, and because they have to fill the time. I used to do radio for a couple of years when I was in college, and it's like you Uh you you can't have dead air, right? You have to fill the time. You have to keep talking. But the way that they do it is – it translates so well to the way that you want to write, write a, a good coherent email is is it should sound like you're talking, but it should also be really concise and like not um, over the top salesy, like very conversational. So um, podcasting is definitely close, but radio is even more on point. Um, and then the third thing, the third thing I would do is um, study copywriting. Learn copywriting, direct response. Um, and you mentioned David Ogilvy at the, the beginning of the show. Um, the there's also um, Dan Kennedy is is a great uh, guy who's got a lot of books out there. His are really good. Uh, Joe Sugarman, um, John Capels. Uh, there's any of those sort of classic direct response people. Uh, just study some of that. And, and, and this is more than just email marketing. If you learn copywriting, um, even if you have a, a basic knowledge of direct response copywriting, it'll help in sales. It'll help in just all aspects of your business. Um, so I think it's really important to start to build that strong background if you don't have a background in direct response copywriting. Um, so that would be my three pieces. I hope those are, are useful. Um, and then what I would recommend to to listeners um, for this is actually also goes along with those, our email newsletter, it's called the email revolution. Our mission is to help give people an edge by showing them how to do this for their business, how to have a, you know, a better um, direct response email marketing for your business. And we definitely uh, a majority of the people that we work with are e-commerce. So there's a lot of that in there. However, we have all kinds of businesses that are on this, uh, list, you know, that are on this newsletter. Um, and we, we try to show you kind of by example, like what we're doing and and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So I think it's useful no matter what kind of business you have. So I'd recommend signing up for that. And, uh, the way you can do that is, uh, go to email one, two, three dot club. Um, made it as easy as possible for people who are just listening so you don't have to write anything down if you're in your car or whatever it's just email123.club and you just sign up uh there on our email list um and you'll get our newsletters and i write pretty frequently um it's not necessarily every day but you'll get a, a couple emails a week from us usually um and we we really do give a lot of value in those so that would be my my top recommendation to uh keep in touch with us Um, And also, if you're on there, you can feel free to email me personally. Anything that you reply to or send goes right to me. So if you ever have a question, um, you
0: know, I answer my emails. So feel free to to reach out. Excellent. And I'm going to link to all this, too, on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So if you, the listener, are listening on app, the link is in the episode description. And now we'll have Josh's information. Right there. Well, I appreciate you, Josh. This has been extremely enlightening. You've opened my mind about some things about email marketing I didn't really fully consider before. So, very empowering. Glad to hear it, Chris. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.
1: You as well. All right. Thanks, Thought
0: Leadership Studio. Well, I'm your host Chris McNeil and I hope you found this interview with Josh Kropkoff of the email agency as extremely helpful as I did because you know if you're in business you have to communicate by email and when you start to gain an audience it becomes advantageous to communicate to that audience with managed email and it can be tempting to Think of it like an advertising blast, but as Josh points out, we're so much better off turning it into a relationship-building process through one-on-one type communication and storytelling, using effective copywriting, but mainly focusing on what we're doing for the person we're communicating with, because people read these things one at a time, and the communication should reflect that. So thanks again for listening to Thought Leadership Studio. If you haven't yet gone to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, if you're listening on an app, this episode page is linked to from the episode description. Go there, check it out, because there are links to a lot of resources, including Josh's resources, also including the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, a free PDF that will help you Organize the building blocks of your own thought leadership, which I've come to understand is a methodology that is fundamental to effective marketing in today's age. So thanks again for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you subscribe. If you haven't given us a review, would greatly appreciate it. These things help. Thanks again for listening to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm Chris McNeil, and I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Thought Leadership Studio.